welcome to episode 52 of the Rescue Summer Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Wright. Today, we're going to be taking the show back to its origins, where I'm doing the whole show by myself. No Vince, no guests today. I'm just going to be covering the topic of the day, and that's going to be working on improving your strength and aerobic fitness going into the winter. Before we get into that, I'm just going to cover this now before the end of the show. If you enjoy the show, please go to the Apple podcast page, leave a rating and review, five star on both, or five star on the rating and then a review. A kind review would be great. If you hate the show, send us a DM or a critique, a DM with a critique, or send us an email at rsmguide at gmail.com with critiques or whatever you think we suck at. So just do what you got to do. If you want to work with me, I do a coaching program for students, specifically training for Coast Guard Rescue Summer School. Right now I have two students that I'm training for that. And if you want to be a student working with me, basically all I do is like I write workouts weekly for the students. We talk on Sundays, we refine the workouts, we come up with new ways to attack the training, and then we repeat the process. And that is basically a monthly thing. And then if the student wants to continue, they'll pay for another month and we'll continue to go forward from there. So I have two students I could probably take on, I would say two to three more. So if you're interested in, interested in that, send me a DM and just a little bit about yourself, you know, kind of where you're from and your training history. And we'll see if you're a good fit for that. So, you know, you can just send a DM or an email, send an email to the, the email I mentioned earlier, and I'll leave that email in the show notes. And then the DMs just sent on, on Instagram. All right, so let's get into this week's episode. So like I said, I want to talk about strength and aerobic conditioning going into the winter. So basically this stems from this Reddit post that I I read on the Reddit Rescue Summer page a few days ago. So I'm just going to read through the post and then we'll go from there. So the post is titled Training Optimization. All right, it goes, I'm in the Type 2 program at an air station trying to figure out the best way to train for prep, train for prep and ASTA school. Outside of my pool workouts, I hear... Or I just read that really bad. Hold on. I'm in the type two program at an air station and I'm trying to figure out the best way to train for prep and ASTA school outside of my pool workouts. I hear read a lot of advice from people who say to try and max out your PST numbers. But if I'm being honest, I don't see the point in that. My thought process is that I'd rather bulk up in the gym with weights to deal with buddy toes and evolutions of that nature over doing 100 pushups or whatever. For example, I read that a lot of guys and buds fail out because they never bothered to get their shoulders strong for log or boat PT. And I just worked for, and just worked for high PSC numbers. I guess what I'm saying is, should I be hitting the weights hard in addition to my cardio training? A lot of rescue swimmer workouts have you doing oddball calisthenics, and that just seems like a waste of training time and energy to me. I'm not saying that you never do calisthenics, but, but would, wouldn't like doing five by five heavy squat day be better than doing 50 body weight jumping squats. All right. So basically, the whole point of the show is to answer this guy's question or this woman's question and kind of set you all who are listening to this up for a nice winter of training. And ideally, this is for someone who's not going to A school, you know, in the next like three or four months. So, you know, if you're like seven, 12 plus months away from going to A school or even joining the Coast Guard, this is kind of aimed at you. As you get closer, you know, the training has to be more specific to what you're going to be doing. So this wouldn't apply. All right. So let's get into it. So obviously there's gains to be made for both styles of workouts. Um, When I was training 
for rescue summer school i really focused on the body weight stuff so i kind of focused on what he was saying where basically i would just try to max out my pst scores and really what happened is i kind of plateaued and i think you know i've talked about it so many times before i really never i never really got above like 60 push-ups and i had like relatively low pt numbers and that kind of consisted throughout training and even onto my time in air station for a little bit until I started to do more um, weightlifting. And that actually didn't even happen until even the past couple of years. You know, I started weightlifting more and kind of trying to re-up my PT numbers. So basically I would use like a TRX band or TRX, um, I don't even know what they're called, like the TRX webbing. And I just like lace it around a tree. I do incline pushups, you know, freaking those lat bodyweight rows. And then I started doing some of the CrossFit style workouts when I got to my airman program in Miami. And then when I was in the A school, but that was more me just doing it to get to the training, kind of get to the, the, the steps and like work out with the STs. It wasn't necessarily something I was like working on in my off time to get myself ready for, you know, buddy towing and those more grueling kind of rigorous days in a school. So to answer this, this guy's question, it is beneficial to, you know, get in the gym and train for strength at certain times. So I think this is an excellent time to start that. You know, like I said, if you're not getting close to coming in, like getting into your, your A school date or your, your prep course date. And that gets back to the idea of, you know, capacity versus utilization training. So, you know, capacity training would be, and I wrote a, I definitely wrote like a blog post on this. I can even try to find it, dig it up and put in the show notes, but capacity training, actually just, just go to the blog post page and find it. It's on there. The capacity training is training. You know, you have your overall goal of like graduating rescue summer school. Capacity training is building up the strength endurance. that's going to be required to get through that school via, you know, all kinds of workouts. It's going to be like, like doing a squat would be a form of capacity training because you're training your legs. When you get into utilization training, that's going to be more specific to the workouts or the uh, the drills you're going to be doing in rescue summer school. So a form of utilization training would be doing, you know, 200 meter buddy toe repeats or lap tracers or brick on back drills. So that's going to be something specific. That's a specific drill you're doing at a school rather than a drill that you're or a exercise that you're using to develop fitness for a specific drill so when we talk about basically the entire episode today when we talk about strength and aerobic training we're talking about increase or we're talking about capacity training rather than utilization training so i think the best way for me to explain kind of how i like to put together kind of my my macro kind of winter training goals and how I go about it is through just explaining kind of my weekly workout process going into the winter and how I'm going to structure my workouts. You can take it for what it is. You know, if you hear some good kind of tips in there and you, or if you like kind of the way I structure my workouts, you can just copy it. Or if you have your own way of doing things and you just want to like kind of nitpick and take or kind of like a la carte, you know, just like take certain things, do that too. It doesn't matter. Although I have found really good returns to my, you know, my fitness by doing workouts in this style. Last winter, I did a similar, a similar, um, kind of structure, more focused on just strength training, less on the aerobic fitness, just because I was coming off a, 
a leg injury. So this winter, I'm expecting to see even more returns to this type of workout. So it does work. Um, and if you're looking to improve, if you need to improve strength, you know, and your PT numbers are kind of plateauing, this might be a great way to go about it. All right, let's go. So basically what I'm doing for strength is just heavy lifting. So you're lifting heavy, getting in the gym. Typically for me, it's going to be four to five times per week. And that does, that kind of varies. It could even be three to five times per week, depending on the week and how I'm feeling. So yeah, we'll stick with that. So we'll say three to five times per week, and I'll kind of tell you how I vary it depending on the week. So I'm lifting heavy and often, and basically I'm going to walk you through a mock week. So we'll start with Monday. So Monday would be like a bicep chest day. So I'm doing a lot of, you know, just random like static lifts. So for biceps, I like to do hammer curls. I like to do barbell curls. I like to do weighted pull-ups. And, you know, that has the added effect of improving your pull-ups and it also works your, your lats. So just keep that in mind. And then for chests, I mean, those are like the basic bicep exercises I do, but there's a million other types of lifts you can do. And they're all going to kind of do the same thing. So if you have a specific types of bicep workouts that you do that work pretty well for you, keep those. If not, here's some good ones you can use, you know? So for chest, I like to do, um, I'll do bench press, just a classic bench press, incline bench press is another good one I like to do. I like to do the, um, dumbbell flies, dumbbell, uh, chest press, incline and decline. Although I haven't been doing decline that often. I need to kind of hit up that. I'll probably do that next week. Decline, um, dumbbell bench press or not bench press, but, uh, you know, dumbbell on the, on the seat. What else I do? The flies with the the machine, you know, you do the just the chest flies. I'm trying to think what else. That's pretty much it for chest, and I'll kind of vary those based on the day. And for sets, I like to do depending on the week. Also, I'll, I'll mix up sets so you know when you're doing. You can do high reps with low weight, you know, or low low reps with high weight, and that would be more focused on strength. Or the high reps with the low weight would be more on endurance. So a lot of times I'll just stagger those and do those alternating weeks. So like today, for example, or not today, but I'm recording this show a few days in advance. So when I did my biceps and chest, I did for biceps, I did three by 20 by 18 by, I want to say 15. And then chest, I did the same thing, three sets of each. And if I do it maybe next week and I want to focus on strength, I'll do like maybe this three sets by like eight, six, five or something like that. And then do a little bit of core on those on the Monday, like chest bicep day. So for core, I like to do like a, a PT circuit kind of. So I'll do like maybe 20 flutter kicks. And for my flutter kicks lately, I've been just putting my, my hands on my chest instead of under my butt. So you put them on your chest, kind of like in that sit up position. And that just makes the, the flutter kicks way harder. So 20 flutter kicks plank for one minute. And then I'll do maybe 20 to like 25 Russian twists or maybe like 26. You got to keep an even number, you know, so Russian twist with weight. So typically I'll do like a 45 pound plate for Russian twists. You know, you just twist in a way and I'll do, you know, like 13 each side or like 10 each side. So that would be kind of the lifting for that for like a Monday in the winter. So, you know, you're focusing on strength or muscular endurance, your core, and then, Later on, on that Monday, go for a run. So when you're focusing on building your aerobic endurance, 
you want to be running long and slow. So you're running conversational paces and you're trying to run more mileage than you typically would, you know, like in the, in the more intense kind of training, training weeks that you had. So, so for Monday, we'd say maybe we'll do, and this would vary. This is just what I'm doing. And this varies based on, you know, your previous running history. You know, if you, if you run like if you have a cross country background, you know, and you're running whatever, 50 miles a week, this long, slow conversational run is going to be different than someone who has like no running background and runs like eight miles a week. So for me, I would do like a four to five mile run at a conversational pace. And that would be a Monday workout. Like I said, you know, the aerobic endurance is a type of training methodology that's going to focus on, on basically making your heart pump blood more efficiently and oxygenate your muscles more efficiently. So before I get into Tuesday, I'm just going to cover all the science behind that. So these workouts make more sense. I probably should have just covered it before I started Monday, but I forgot. And I think the episode might flow a little better, you know, if we talk about that first. So what we're going to do is move into a couple different resources that I use for making my workout programs and maybe some resources that you should look into if you're interested in kind of the science behind all of this. And the first resource, or this is the one that I'm pretty much always going to cite today. And I'll leave a link in the show notes. I've done it before. The book is called Training for the Uphill Athlete. And it's by a list, a host of authors. And they're all endurance athletes who have a background in the kind of training methodology and science behind all of this. So this book focuses a lot on building aerobic bases and then utilizing that base to train for specific races. This book is mainly for athletes training for ultra marathons or trail races that involve a lot of uphill and downhill, downhill, like elevation gain and change, you know, in, in the races. And what I found is basically all this stuff applies to people training for these elite military schools. So specifically having gone through rescue summer school, the type of training in this book can readily be applied to the training for rescue summer school. And there's going to be huge gains to being smart about your training, you know, and in in a smart and efficient way, building up that fitness without getting into the kind of the more harder intense workouts too fast where you increase the likelihood of injury, you know, because a big, a big thing in rescue summer school. And I'm sure, you know, of course, all these schools like buds and the PJ pipeline and all these schools, um, is injuries. So if you can avoid the risk of injury, you know, or just decrease the likelihood of getting injured during the training because you're training for a long period of time, you want to you want to do that. So you want to take all the steps. All right, let's get into it. So I'm going to define before we kind of get into the whole book, I want to define aerobic base. So this is straight out of the the glossary. The physiological state in an endurance athlete brought about by extensive training at low to moderate intensities. So that's what we call conversational pace. The training enhances the ability to, to the train muscles to produce energy aerobically and especially using fat as the primary fuel. The training makes up the vast majority of the endurance athlete's annual training volume. It supports the higher intensity training by following the athlete to rec- by allowing the athlete to recover faster from intense training and races. Okay, so that is the definition of aerobic base. I'm going to read one more thing here. When it comes to the basic aerobic training, zones one and two, so that's your heart rate zones one and two, if you can't do the same workout you did yesterday again today and tomorrow and the day after for days on end, then you're doing too much. So basically what they're saying with that quote is 
If you're not able to repeat this workout kind of over and over and over again, then you're likely not getting the gains of that conversational pace run. You're not getting that aerobic, that aerobic capacity training that we're shooting for. So, you know, it's hard to like, you know, when I say do like if for my coaching students, a lot of times I'll schedule like a Saturday conversational run at seven miles, so like a seven mile run conversational pace. And the goal is to run that really long and slow run at a, at a really slow pace. So you're supposed to run it at a pace you can hold a conversation with a friend at. So like if someone were running for you with you, you'd be able to just talk to them the whole time and not really get too tired. You know, you're not out of breath trying to talk to them. And if you're not doing that, you're not getting the, the gain from the workout. And the gain is, you know, building aerobic base, which is basically doing a lot of strength and effects to your, your aerobic system where you're delivering oxygenated blood to your muscles more efficiently. And I guess we'll just go back into some more quotes because there's so much to cover. So, all right. World-class athletes spend a prodigious amount of time training for these, their events. At the highest level, it is truly a full-time job, which for anyone training for these military schools, it is a full-time job. So I would consider you not a world-class athlete, most likely, but you're in this category. It's a full-time job, allowing for allowing for only enough time and energy energy to recover between workouts. Most of us won't have that luxury. But to put things in perspective, let's look at the training of a nationally competitive mountain runner. So they use this mountain runner by the name of Killian Journey in this book to kind of demonstrate. They show his training volume and kind of use him as an example. So the average hour spent training per week is 12.5 hours with three workouts over 40 hours with three weeks over 40 hours. So that's kind of what he does. And it kind of goes on and talks more about what he does as far as elevation gain, but that doesn't really matter for the sake of this training. Last thing from the that book on this page that I want you to kind of take in is to base your expectations on the reality that your results will be directly proportional to the time you spend in preparation. So the old cliche, whatever, you're only going to get out what you put in applies to everything. It's going to apply to your aerobic base as well. So if you're spending this winter diligently building aerobic base, doing long, slow, conversational pace exercises, aerobic exercises, then in the spring, summer, you're going to reap the reward from that and you're going to be able to run faster for those more intense workouts and other training blocks in the spring and summer. And, you know, if a lot of this stuff is sounding foreign to you, like training blocks and stuff like that, I've done like write-ups on it before in the past on blog posts and stuff. I've even done podcasts on it and it would probably benefit you to go back and listen to that because a lot of the terminology and just kind of baseline knowledge about this stuff is really beneficial to know. And maybe just some of the terminology that I use might not make sense, but if you go back and read the blog posts on it, I think it's in my training philosophy blog posts. There's some stuff that you might pick up and it would make this easier to listen to. All right. So a big reason why I brought up this whole aerobic threshold training, aerobic, not threshold, but aerobic capacity training is because recently I've been, and especially this winter, and I've noticed a big training gain gain that's coming through the form of cycling. So I guess I'm going to kind of talk about this anecdotally first, and then we'll talk about why it is so beneficial. So, so for the past couple of years that I lived in Boulder or a few years now, I have been around and kind of 
been following these athletes on you know Instagram and the best one is is on Strava. It's like that a social media app for kind of athletes. So you kind of you can do your workout, you post it on there, do a little write up. So I follow a lot of pro athletes in the area and I kind of see what they're doing for their training and see how it's improving, like see how what they're doing, the kind of training methodologies and training regimens, how those are affecting their results. So a big thing that I've noticed lately is athletes, specifically athletes training to run faster are, you know, are running faster for a long period of time. So, you know, athletes who are running like, you know, anywhere from four to, you know, even three to 30 miles, they are starting to implement more cycling. So, and this is something I did. So I know anecdotally through just watching people do it and kind of copying them and just through myself doing it. So last winter I did this last summer, I did this and I kind of reaped the benefits of that last fall and kind of into the winter before I got hurt. So I'll just use it from my experience. So basically what I started doing last winter into the spring and all summer was using long distance cycling to improve my aerobic fitness without the negative effects of, you know, running long distance, obviously. So if you're running a lot of mileage all week and you're doing this constantly throughout the winter, just throughout the year, you're putting a lot of wear and tear in your body, your knees, your joints. If you aren't used to running a lot, you're putting a lot of wear and tear on your on your muscular skeletal structure, you know, your legs, a lot of times you get shin splints. If you run too much too often, and you're not used to it because your bone density isn't kind of where it should be for running long distances. So if you are in that category, or even if you aren't and you run a lot, you obviously want to give your your body a break while still trying to find ways to improve your aerobic fitness without those negative effects. So what I found, and I'm this isn't a big breakthrough or anything, but I don't think a lot of people training for these kind of military schools are using this. Um, if you're trying to build your aerobic fitness and you want to reduce wear and tear, decrease likelihood of injury, you should be cycling more often. So I would go on and I do this now too. So I will do my typical kind of workout. So like I talked about Monday, so I did the strength training, core training, and then I went for a run, you know, say Tuesday, kind of do some other muscle group, go for a run, go for a swim Tuesdays and Thursdays. Typically I swim. So do that. Um, Wednesday. So say Wednesday. So I ran Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I still want to increase my aerobic endurance because you want to be doing aerobic fitness training. If you're trying to do that over the winter and you want to really reap the benefits, you want to be doing it at least probably five times, five to six times a week, more, more on the six, six to even seven, um, scale. So Pretty, I pretty much do an aerobic exercise every day. Um, and so if you're trying to reduce those likelihood of injuries, so like that Wednesday, I would do a long cycle. So cycle for two hours, conversational pace, just around Boulder or outside of Boulder, wherever I'm going, you know. And you can do this in the gym too at a stationary cycle and you'll get the same benefit. Although it's way more fun, you know, to go outside and just cycle around town or whatever. It's way better. Obviously, you need to get a bike, helmet, all that stuff. I use clip-in shoes, um, but the big, the big thing here is you're getting a huge aerobic, um, aerobic kind of exercise in without any wear and tear on your on your body. It's just like biking is like totally smooth. You know, you're just kind of like using your your legs there. You're kind of like your freaking glutes, quads, all that, 
calves, but you're not actually like really harming your joints or your, your, your musculoskeletal structure. So if you have the opportunity to get a cycle, like an actual bicycle, that's great. If you have one at your gym, you can get the same benefits. Like today I did a 30 minute cycle in my gym after lifting as well. So cycling is the key to building aerobic fitness while reducing injury. And over the winter, you should be doing it a fair amount. So like, like I said, I'm just going to go back in through my workouts and I'll just throw in kind of what I'm going to be just cycling and you can kind of take it from there. So Monday, bicep chest, core running. Tuesday, I'm going to do legs. So I do some form of squat, single leg squat. I do kettlebell squats, um, walking lunges with weight, some sort of pool workout. So tomorrow for my pool workout, and I'm recording this on Monday. So for Tuesday's pool workout, I probably am going to do like a long, slow conversational swim. So probably swim 1,500 to 2,000 meters, do some water con at the end there, and then hop out of the pool. And later in the day, I'll probably go for another run or cycle. So I'll alternate it there depending on how my body's feeling. And if I go for a run, it'll be another like probably five to seven miles conversational pace. And if it's a cycle, it'd probably be an hour to 90 minutes conversational pace. And, you know, in Boulder in the winter, I kind of vary what I'm doing based on the weather. So if it's slippery, really cold out, I'll go for a run. If it's warmer, um, less slippery, I'll go for a bike ride. Um, And it's just, you know, to avoid injury and just so just doing what I can. Wednesday, no lift, run and cycle or just run or cycle. So you could do either one. And this is kind of depending on where your fitness is at. So if you're looking to get a high volume of, of training in over the winter, you might want to do both. If you're kind of new to training and you're trying to break in, you just do one or the other and you're doing conversational. So you're doing, obviously the, the mile is going to vary. The mileage is going to vary. So for me, it might be higher mileage for you. If you're newer, it's going to be like maybe like two or three miles conversational pace, but you're getting that run or cycle in. Thursday, I'm going to do triceps. So that's actually today. Triceps, shoulders, and then some more core. And then I will hit the pool. Actually, might not be able to hit the pool because I'm actually going out of town on Thursday. So unfortunately, I might not get that pool workout in. But I'll definitely do triceps, shoulders, and core. And I'll likely just have to supplement that pool workout with another run. Friday, I'm also going to be out of town. So I have cycling and running on the on the. Uh, on the list. So I probably won't be able to cycle because I'll still be gone, but I'll go for another long, slow run. And then when I get back on, on Friday night, I'll probably do an extra run on or extra cycle and pool workout over the weekend just to make up for that. And then Saturday, Sunday, typically what I'll do is like a functional fitness. So like box jumps, BOSU ball, pushups, squats, kettlebell exercises, just stuff to focus on, on overall strength and kind of total body strength, um, core strength, stuff like that. So it kind of varies. It's more of like a, just a functional fitness day, stuff that you find exciting, maybe climbing. I go climb a lot, so stuff like that. And that would be pretty much a typical strength and aerobic fitness week for me going into the winter. So I hope that answered, I'm sure this, maybe that guy listened to this podcast. He probably doesn't, um, but he probably, he should, obviously. Um, maybe someone will let him know in the Reddit comments, but that should go a long way in answering that guy's question or that, that woman's question. Of course, you know, there's so much nuance in training and a lot of it stems down to what your background is. You know, if you're coming from a huge fitness background, you played sports in like high school, college, you're going to have this huge training background where you have this wealth of knowledge that you can apply to, 
to training for whatever you're doing in the military. So if that's you, basically all you need to do is kind of connect the dots and kind of see what is going to, because a lot of it does apply the same exercises, you know, you're training roughly the same muscle groups and you're, you have similar outcome or similar goals, but you just got to connect those dots and, you know, maybe use podcasts and resources like this to do that. So if that's you, great. If it's not you and you have like no fitness background and you're totally new to this and this podcast is kind of your first introduction to stuff like this, then you have a lot of reading to do. You know, you want to get books like Training for the Uphill Athlete, listen to previous episodes. I would, I mean, honestly, if that's you, I'd go back and listen to every episode that I that we've done because there's going to be a ton of knowledge in there. And I'm pretty sure everything that I've written down for the rest of our mindset in regards to training and everything is all in podcast form as well. So if you're brand new, maybe just stack up these episodes and start listening to them and get all that knowledge and background so you can start applying it to your training because it's hard to write like, you know, we sell, you know, workout programs. Like we have our win the day workout program, which is an excellent program. If you're looking to kind of build your baseline fitness, but it's not going to teach you how to construct these workout programs. I also have a program that will teach you how to do that, which is basically this episode in a much longer form and much more involved form. You know, that's my, like, it's called become the expert and that's a whole nother thing, but there's no program that's going to do it all in one. So what you have to do is kind of figure out where you're weak in, where you're lacking knowledge and go out, get those, get those pieces of information and, and apply it to your training. So that's pretty much it for this episode. I hope you got some good information out of there. I hope it wasn't too kind of jumbled there at the end with the the workouts. And if you have questions, you know, you can just do whatever you got to do. Send me a DM or, you know, email the podcast and or email us and we will I'll get around to answering that those questions. All right. So before I let you all go, I just want to remind you of a few things on the rest of your mindset. So we have a donation page set up for the podcast. So basically Vince and I run the restroom mindset podcast as part of the restroom mindset, but we have this separate kind of entity for it where, you know, if you can donate to this podcast specifically and it's on the website, so it's rescuesummermindset.com slash donations. So everything you donate to this podcast goes towards better equipment, getting more guests on and improving the quality of the show. So you can go to rescuesummermindset.com slash donations to donate and improve the show. We also donate 20% of all donations to the Coast Guard Foundation, which is a foundation that provides aid to service members, Coast Guard service members and their families to pursue college education, supplying athletic equipment, and just general aid to people in need in the, in the Coast Guard. So like I said, if you'd like to donate, improve the quality of the show, just go ahead to restaurantmindset.com slash donations and leave a donation of however much you want to leave. There's a bunch of different options for that. If you're interested in any of our training programs, we have a bunch, um, not a bunch, I guess we only have like, what do we have? One, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. We have five training programs. So if you want to work with us, I guess we have six if we include my coaching. So we have a one one and a half mile time run training program. So if you're looking to specifically increase your one and a half mile time run train your time run, then get this program. So it's an eight week program that I wrote specifically for 
you know, for that 1.5 mile PST test. And you can stack the workouts from that program. It's all, it's all running. So you can stack all those workouts on top of any other training program you're doing at the time. You just supplement the runs. So go check it out. That link is going to be rescuesummermindset.com slash running with RSM. We also have a total strength. So it's basically an eight week conditioning, water confidence, and strength training program. And it's called win the day. So that is something that Vince and I came together and wrote. So that's going to have strength training in the form of weightlifting. A lot of the weightlifts are similar to what I mentioned today. Water confidence. It's all water confidence workouts that Vince wrote. And um, there's running in there as well that I wrote. And then there's going to be pool training and pool conditioning that Vince wrote. So it's an all-inclusive kind of training program. It has everything you'd want for eight weeks. There's actually 16 weeks. There's a beginner and an advanced phase. So if you start with the beginner phase, you actually get six, 16 weeks of training. So go check that out. It's win the day. So it's rescuesummermindset.com slash win the day. We have another training program that I mentioned earlier called Become the Expert. And basically, if you find the stuff that I talked about today interesting and you want to kind of get a much more in-depth version of that, check out Become the Expert. So that's going to be rescuesummermindset.com slash become the expert. And on that page, there's a little um, there's a little list of kind of what that program offers. Basically what it is is like a video course that I put up through through a PowerPoint essentially where I have a ton of notes and I kind of do like a whole brain dump of everything I know about training and how to write training programs. And you just take the course and by the end of the course, you have the foundation to write your own training program. So you only have to buy training programs from other people or even from us, you can just write your own. What else we got? We got how to hold your breath like a helicopter rescue swimmer. So that's Vince's course specifically structured around increasing your lung capacity and increasing your water confidence. So that's a whole video interactive course that he put together. It's our best-selling course by far on the website. And I mean, it speaks for itself. It's a great course. If you want to learn more about it, you know, just go to restaurantmindset.com slash breathe. And that's B-R-E-A-T-H-E. So that's all I'm going to cover for today. I'm going to stop pitching you guys programs. If you're interested in anything that we offer or you have questions about it, send us a DM or email. Go check out the website. Every program is explained on there. If you, you know, want to work with coaching, um, have me coach you through through the winter, just send me a DM or email, you know, and we'll figure out if that's a good a good fit for you. But that's all I got for this week. Tune in next week with Vince and his apparently Vince has this this guest on who Went through rescue summer school. However, I think he failed. He's not an actual rescue. He didn't make it through rescue summer school. He got injured, I think. But apparently he's like the best storyteller of all time. That's what Vince says. So he is going to interview him. I'm not sure what they're going to talk about, but I'm sure the episode is going to be pretty... I'm going to guess it's going to be a hilarious episode. So tune in next week for that episode. That's all I got. Talk to you soon.